This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. Intel's Agile X FPGA. Dell EMC demos AI benchmark. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell, joined again by Tiffany Trader. Tiffany, This Week in HPC, we had a lot of uh, news from Intel in a previous episode of This Week in HPC, but we didn't get to one of the big parts of the announcement, which was a new FPGA that Intel is calling Agile X. Yeah, that's right. So coming off of Intel's big launch event earlier this month, uh, focusing on uh, Cascade Lake and the Optane Persistent Memory, um, which, which we covered, uh, that there was also um, a, the new FPGA family. It's first built on 10 nanometer, Agile X, and uh, Intel is touting this as the first Intel-built FPGA. And I, I think by that, they just mean that it was developed since the 2015 Altera acquisition. Right. We have to assume that this is essentially a continuation of Altera's development path, their development line, but, but that this Agile X processor or FPGA was, was essentially conceived or they started working on it after the acquisition, those Altera people carrying it forward. So in that sense, it's an all Intel FPGA, but it carries the Altera technology path forward. Right, right. So just to cover the basics of this, which our enterprise AI managing editor, Doug Black, has, has covered, uh, in Agile X introduces a number of new technologies, uh, the first uh, being the Compute Express Link, that's the CXL. So that's Intel, um, a consortium that Intel got started, an interconnect spec that goes up, goes up against the other interconnect consortiums, you know, the ones we know, OpenCAPI and C6 and Gen Z. So CXL, the, the Intel-backed acronym, is a cache and a memory coherent interconnect uh, for future Intel Xeon scalable processors. And Intel says it's the, the first, this is a, the first FPGA to support uh, Compute Express Link, which is a little funny. Yeah, it's a little bit silly. I mean, yeah. here's this new consortium that Intel's backed, and then, oh, our processor is the first one in it. The whole point of having a consortium is that you want lots of things following it, right? That's the whole point right. of having a competing standard. And, and the people who are involved in CXL, I should say the companies involved in CXL, are the cast of characters we would expect here. It's Intel plus a lot of their closely partnered server vendors and also notable hyper, hyperscale companies, but leaves out companies that they compete with directly like AMD or IBM or NVIDIA. Although I was surprised to see that Mellanox is included on the list. Um, whether that'll change based on NVIDIA's acquisition of Mellanox is yet to be seen. Right, right. So so moving along to some of the other, the other specs, uh, this employs the Agile X employs the second gen hyperflex architecture, which uh, Intel is saying um, makes it possible to get 40% higher performance or up to 40% lower total power uh, compared with its um, the Stratix 10 FPGAs. Uh, also uh, has um, DSP innovation. Uh, Intel says it's the only FPGA supporting hardened BFloat 16 uh, and up to 40 teraflops of. DSP, digital signal processor performance, and that's an FP of the FP16 flavor. 
Yeah, it's interesting to see these performance numbers in relation to previous FPGAs. FPGAs have been, over time, notoriously difficult to compare just at a data sheet level because the whole point is that they're designed to be single-trick ponies, or, or rather, you customize it to be the single-trick pony that you want it to be. It's going to be good at certain categories of applications, but you program it to be good at something in particular. In this case, we presume machine learning and inference, uh, which is a, a big space that uh, that FPGAs go after. So the the performance is is interesting to see those claims relative to early Altera uh, processors like Stratix. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what to take away from that. In fact, I'd have to look up what the what hardened means in the context of the of the 16-bit floating point uh, uh performance there uh, i'm sure it does have a specific meaning but uh, but it's interesting to see those those types of uh, performance claims mm-hmm. so uh, G- uh pcie gen 5 is also on on board here uh transceiver data rates supports up to 112 gigabits per second data rates and the last, uh, the last spec here is advanced memory support, support for DDR5, HBM, and the Optane data center persistent memory module, the, 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 new, the new memory. Yeah, and within the context of this launch, they talked about a lot of things like 5G and Internet of Things and Edge. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Networking functions. Yeah, which absolutely looks like, you know, that's when they start talking about how many uh, what their transceiver rates are. This is really designed to be an inference engine that's embedded at the edge and then uh, connected in through IoT or 5G to the rest of your infrastructure. It's a product designed to do that. Now, the the other part of this that I think is really interesting is here's this word one API coming up again. That's how Intel is intending for us to program it, right? Right, that's right. So just backing up just a sec, the messaging from Intel throughout 2018 with several announcements, including the Stratix programmable accelerator card, the PAC, uh, and now Agilex, is this increased integration, this increased integration to provide a common developer experience across the portfolio, meaning across the CPUs and the GPUs, and the FPGAs, and the fixed function ASICs. And, and, and part of the story is this thing called One API, which Intel first revealed back in December, and then it, it, po- it actually popped up again in the, uh, the DOE Aurora confirmation mm-hmm. announcement from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but they, they haven't been that forthcoming about what, what's actually under the hood. They, they do say it's um, part of a portfolio of developer tools for mapping software to the hardware that can best accelerate the code. Yeah, to me, this is one of these big claims from Intel. This is essentially a holy grail for programming. If you put a one API interface where you can use one common API across a wide range of different uh, processing architectures or or programming paradigms uh, and have a single API to rule them all, as it were, you combine that with an auto-parallelizing compiler and you'll, <laughs> you'll be all the way there, right? So one API, I think it's exciting. And Intel certainly uh, has the chops to be able to make this kind of claim because they've got experience now in all of these different processing areas. I would like to see some more details about how exactly this is going to work because one API is such a big, bold claim. But uh, but now we have the Agilex FPGAs now as part of that sphere. Right. So 
So ease, ease of programmability, it's it's the holy grail of the FPGA. It's something that we've we've heard promised before, and it's kind of been promised that it's always just around the corner. But I, I do think we've seen some greater traction this year from, from the two uh, leading companies um, in the FPGA space, and, and uh, Intel with their Altair line and, and Xilinx with its um, with its FPGA line. So in the last year, we, we saw Xilinx come out with its adaptive compute acceleration platform, this yep. ACAP, also known yeah also known by the Everest code name, um, you know, and then and, and that's uh, that, that's on the uh, the seven nanometer process. Uh, and then, of course, Intel has continued to build on the, the Altera technology. Um, they have, uh, you know, that's Agilex on the uh, on the 10 nanometer platform, and both of them are touting this this increased is this increased ease of programmability. Well, right, and as Doug points out in his article on HPC Wire and Enterprise AI, the programmability traditionally has been a a big limiting factor in the adoption of FPGAs. Going back to, I remember when we would see companies like Starbridge at supercomputing every year, and then they would have their Smith Waterman benchmark that they always showed, but you had to learn their language, Viva, and that was getting in the way. So the big thing that I hope Intel has the the wherewithal for with one API is not just that it works, but they have to have long term patience to get people on board and, and and assistance for getting people on board with what that one API takes. If you look at the big success story that we've seen in the industry and in accelerators around GPUs and what NVIDIA has done with CUDA, um, I've had companies say, well, how do we replicate what NVIDIA has done with CUDA? Well, you got to realize that this has been a 12-year effort from NVIDIA so far, and that's just been the public portion. There were years before they were really uh, out in full deployment, where they were just tracking along with development of what they said they were going to develop. Uh, so it's been a decade and more to really build the momentum with CUDA up to where it is now. Uh, one API could be great, and it would still be difficult to imagine it's going to be an immediate one-year or 18-month success. These things take time. Yeah, they, they do take time. So I think uh, I think it's going to take some time until... Until Intel is able to get up to that 30% figure of traction in the data center with FPGAs that they they first promised back in 2015 when they picked up Altera. Yeah, and that was interesting. Where they they think you were highlighting a claim that they had back then that they thought 30% of data center servers would be powered by FPGAs at that time. I think I bet the under on that, and uh, so far we're under 30%. But uh, and you would bet the under on it as well. That's right. All right. Well, we've been talking about things that, that are out on the edge. Now, pulling back to more of the machine learning side on training, one of the big challenges that we get with machine learning in any area where you have a lot of in-house coding, in-house applications and algorithms, benchmarking can be a real challenge. And we've seen things like uh, TensorFlow and Cafe Light out there, but they've all been you know different points in the ecosystem. Also this week in HPC, you've got an article by John Russell uh, uh, on HPC Wire with some work that Dell has done on a new AI, relatively new AI suite of benchmarks, ML Perf, to try to cast some light on uh, how different configurations relate to different types of uh, machine learning workloads. Yeah, so so MLPerf is is an emerging bench AI benchmarking suite for measuring the speed of machine learning software and hardware. And back at the GPU Technology Conference in San Jose a, a couple weeks ago, 
that one of the one of the presentations there was put on by Dell EMC distinguished engineer Ramesh Radhakrishnan. And uh, the session, you know, despite being being hosted by by GTC and put on by Dell, we I think it offered a a pretty pretty good, fairly neutral overview of of this fledging fledgling benchmark and what it can and can't do. So, Radhakrishnan had present presented performance data for from testing on four different systems from one GPU to eight GPUs with differing topologies. And he also offered comments about uh, some of the other benchmarks out there and their contribution to progress so far. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of work I love seeing going on in the industry. Now, you know, these are all Dell servers and they're all NVIDIA GPUs, but even within those constraints to get into looking at how do different configurations affect different uh, workload characteristics within this space. And then as an end user, I can say, well, is my application or my workload more like this one or more like this one? Do I want to get two GPUs per CPU? Do I want to get four GPUs per CPU? I would love to see more work in, um, in the lines with what kind of interconnect matters. Do I want more memory or less memory? Um, but but really, for Dell to take this stance and look at here are the different uh, levers that you can play with in approaching machine learning, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a valuable overview, and I recommend people check it out. So for more on that, you can you can see the HPC Wire coverage by John Russell in, in the article "Digging into MLPerf Benchmark Suite to Inform AI Infrastructure Decisions." And uh, in that um, you know it can't. It can't be overstated that AI benchmarking is really, you know, still very much in its infancy. And one of the things uh, that was covered there um, was a, a few other of the efforts that are in play, including DeepBench from Baidu and DawnBench, which is led by Stanford University. Um, as for MLPerf, uh, Google led the creation of that benchmark, and there are now more than um, there are now nearly 40 supporting companies. Um, some of the names involved are, you know, a lot of the names, most of the names we know, Intel, AMD, Baidu, Arm, NVIDIA, Cray, Cisco, Microsoft. Uh, a couple names that aren't on the list, maybe that's a shorter list. Uh, a couple names that aren't on there are IBM uh, and Amazon. Uh, there's also 10 academic institution or partners or, or somewhere maybe a little under 10, uh, including Harvard and Stanford, which, who, which were early, early partners in helping to shape uh, the benchmark. So that's uh, that's about 50 partners altogether, and I, that's not going to guarantee success, but I, I think it's a good start for a would-be benchmarking standard. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you pointed out that we don't have a, a LINPAC for machine learning. And uh, in a sense, we still don't. And I'm not sure we want a LINPAC for this. What This is MLPerf strikes me as being more like spec than like LINPAC. LINPAC's appeal is that it's in a general benchmark, but as I was saying, machine learning is such a specialized area that I think you want to look at something that covers more of a range of different types of configurations, and, and that's why I like the work that Dell did here. Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning that uh, despite this pretty broad support for a still emerging effort in a still emerging field, the, the first bench benchmarking round had only three submitters. They were NVIDIA, Google, and Intel. That round was announced back in December, and uh, NVIDIA uh, led in seven out of the eight categories, but again, it was it was very preliminary. Well, maybe now that they've been on this week in HPC, this podcast will spur more people to take a look at MLPerf. You can go to the article on HPC Wire for more details.
That's right. And uh, when, when they do that, we'll we'll be there to, to, to cover it. We'll be back next week to cover a recap from the Advanced Scale Forum Conference in Jacksonville. Tiffany, I'll see you there along with our other uh, editors from the Tabor Publications suite of titles. And I'm looking forward to being there myself. It's an exciting look at commercial use cases in HPC. I'm looking forward to it and I'll see you there. All right. Thanks a lot, Tiffany. And thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.